Extraordinary love. Extraordinary love. For my spiritual master. For my spiritual master. Bhajabhumi. Bhajabhumi. The people of Bhaja. The people of Bhaja. The Vaishnavas. The Vaishnavas. The Brahmanas. The Brahmanas. The Gayatri Mantra. Gayatri Mantra. The Holy Name. The Holy Name. And the Transcendental Shelter. And the Transcendental Shelter. The youthful couple of Raja. That is the youthful couple of Raja. You can just, uh, we're going to do verse 1 and 2, and we'll read the Sanskrit to verse 2 when we come to it. Hopefully you will be able to come to it. If you remember yesterday, in our overview of uh, this Manashiksha, uh, the question uh, which Shilabhakti Thakur identified, as well as the answers in this verse, was that uh, what should one do when faith in Krishna Kata occurs in the Jiva. And the answer which is being stated here is that one should accept Diksha, take mantra, uh, uh, worship uh, Radha and Krishna, the Vaishnavas and the spiritual masters. So, uh, we're going to begin by uh, analyzing this verse and we'll analyze it from two perspectives, one very briefly and one in depth or in detail. And the uh, brief description will be just in terms of uh, the development of the faith, uh, which is uh, the issue in question here, uh, as being the uh, inaugurator of further activities. Uh, the other one is, we'll analyze the words individually, one by one, and uh, which is the way Srila Bhakti Manoj Thakur uh, specifically uh, describes uh, or expands on the meaning of this verse. So the question was, is uh, that what should someone do uh, when one is fortunate enough to develop faith in the topics of Lord Krishna's transcendental pastimes and activities. Uh, obviously, that means that someone has heard about Lord Krishna's activities. And if someone is fortunate to do that, then what consequent activities take place as a result of that hearing? Raghunath uh, Goswami then uh, explains and this verse is meant to give the uh, natural course of activities for one in whom Shraddha has become manifest. Shraddha or faith is a uh, very rare commodity. And Srila uh, Rupa Goswami says, Janma Koti Shukriti Nalabhati that it's not something which can be very easily acquired. Rather, it may take many, many millions and millions of lifetimes in order to acquire this faith. Uh, it is not a byproduct of karma. Uh, it cannot be acquired by mental speculation. Uh, but there's only one real means by which one can acquire this faith, uh, and that is solely through the association of devotees. Without association with devotees, one cannot get it. 
so Shulabhakti uh, Thakur explains uh, that there is a certain process by which faith or Shraddha develops. He first explains that uh, what is the position of someone who does not possess faith. Uh, we start with someone who has faith. But what is the condition if someone actually doesn't possess any faith? So that person, just by the natural uh, question itself, uh, remains unqualified to actually hear Krishna Katha, or specifically to take shelter of Krishna Katha and progress in spiritual life. Uh, second of all, uh, because he cannot hear, because you have to hear on the basis of faith. So if he does not have faith, then neither he will be able to assimilate any practical instruction. So Rupa Goswami, therefore, uh, in this very important verse, says, Ado Shraddha that this Shraddha, or this faith, this is the basic ingredient upon which everything else is built. Without it, one cannot advance in spiritual life. One may be greatest jnani, one may be most elevated personality, but if one is devoid of faith, uh, then he will not be able to progress. So without faith, then there is no lotus standard. Uh, there is then a development of faith. Uh, faith does develop. And how is it that faith actually develops? So a very nice thing is being stated here by Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He says that by the association of devotees, one will acquire faith. Uh, somehow or another, that faith may even come unknowingly. It may start through Aghyata Sukriti, very flickering or indirect contact with Vaishnava. Someone may not know that they have gotten contact with Vaishnava but somehow or another one gets the association. Like sometimes uh, we may uh, go out and people may give a donation to devotee or they may not even be very clear what they're doing it for or who they're doing, but they're getting some pious credit. It becomes their adhikar or their qualification for, for getting further association. How does this association actually work? That uh, he points out that association uh, diminishes the reaction of past sins. Uh, in other words, by the association of a Vaishnava, one actually becomes purified of the results of one's past sinful activities. And therefore, room in the heart is allowed for Shraddha to actually enter and develop. This word Shraddha, on an aside, is a very nice word. What does it actually mean? Shraddha. Shraddha. So Shra means heart, and Dha means to give. So Shraddha means to give your heart, literally speaking. So obviously, you can only give your heart in one place. If you don't have that, uh, if you don't have uh, a particular direction, you cannot give your heart, you cannot have faith. So the process whereby one becomes inspired to give one's heart to Krishna by the association of faithful devotees or those who also have Shraddha, uh, that uh, is Sadhu Sangha and that results in the development or the growing of faith. Uh, it will not grow automatically. It will grow by the proper process. And this faith, uh, this here describes, has certain 
natural symptoms by which it is marked. And that if someone has uh, a conviction, a firm conviction, that uh, I'm headed in the right direction, then he will also do something. Uh, not simply that, yes, I have faith, but I don't do. So what will he do? It's stated here that automatically if someone's faith is strong, he will take Diksha from Guru. So here it is stated, Swamantri, Srinamni, Swamantra. Swamantra means Gayatri Mantra. Srinamni means the holy name. So these things refer that one can only get these things if one is actually initiated by a spiritual master. And uh, once being initiated, one receives mantra, and by this mantra one worships. Mm -hmm. We'll discuss a little uh, further in detail what it means worshipping by mantra. But specifically, both Hare Krishna Maha Mantra and uh, Gayatri Mantra. Specifically, uh, Kama Gayatri, uh, this is the means by which uh, Lord Krishna is worshipped. Uh, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is described Vrindavana Apapita Navanita Madan Kama Gayatri Kama Bijara Upasan. That Upasan, or the worship of Lord Krishna in Vrindavan, transpires by the process of this Kama Gayatri Mantra and Kama Bij. These are the means by which Lord Krishna is worshipped. So we should always see like that, that these activities are not ritualistic activities that we're given to perform uh, for some particular purpose. But they are very elaborate and Prabhupada used the word very sublime means of worship. And it is due to a lack of shraddha and a lack of philosophical knowledge that we don't appreciate the uh, instruments and the means of worship which we have been given. Sometimes devotees like to do puja and chant many all kinds of elaborate mantras, thinking that that will make their worship very elaborate or very good, or doing yantras and fire sacrifice and these type of things. So these things are all really foolishness, uh, because everything is there uh, in the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. Anything that you possibly heard and everything else that you haven't heard. Sava Veda Shudhishti. Everything which is in the Vedas, uh, all the procedures are all condensed and present within that process. So whatever process of worship you want to do, you can't do better, any better way than by this chanting process. And that chanting is available for everyone. And one becomes somewhat further qualified by the chanting and becomes more Shraddhavan or faithful, then he receives Gayatri Mantra, uh, by which one is considered to be in the mode of goodness uh, and very quickly coming to the transcendental platform. Uh, this is, uh, Gayatri Mantra is a uh, expansion of the uh, holy name of the Lord and it gives a clear uh, definition of uh, who is the object of worship through the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. Mm-hmm. Gopal Mantra, Gayatri Mantra, like that. So, then, after, by this process of worship, uh, one's faith will mature, and one will come to render loving devotional service. This word, loving devotional service, you'll find this word very frequently in Srila Prabhupada's books. And loving devotional service generally does not simply mean 
uh, following rules and regulations. But loving devotional service refers to spontaneous devotional service, uh, or it means uh, pure devotional service, or at least it means uh, spontaneous, or as we discussed yesterday, and we'll talk about a little more to know Raganuga Bhakti. So, uh, the uh, faith develops further uh, beyond these stages uh, by worshipping both spiritual masters, namely Shiksha Guru and Diksha Guru, uh, and taking association with Vaishnavas. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says that this is uh, the mula, or the root of devotional service, is association with Vaishnavas. And one should not think that at any stage in spiritual life one transcends uh, the position of worship of Vaishnavas uh, or association with Vaishnavas. And the quality of the Vaishnavas that one associates with, that will reflect the quality of faith that one will have. If you worship, uh, associate with devotees who have little faith or very conditional faith, then that will also be the condition of your own faith, unless you are in a position to elevate them. So, therefore, we always look for the association of superior Vaishnavas because our whole purpose in association is those who will increase our faith. And if someone in any way whatsoever will endanger, threaten, or minimize our faith in Vaishnavas, Guru, Mantra, the process, then we don't want to know. Uh, at least that should be the position of someone who's... Uh, serious about spiritual life. Now, uh, we've just gone a little into this uh, realm of Shraddha, since Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur uh, explains this in his uh, commentary. And let's go through uh, the particular words which are being described here, uh, one by one, and analyze the verses Bhaktivinoda Thakur explains it. First of all, there are specific questions. Uh, there are one, two, three, four questions uh, which uh, are being answered one by one. It's a summary, and then we'll go through them in detail. Uh, we ask, what's the question? What is someone's duty? Uh, the word sharane uh, answers what a devotee's duty is when his faith awakens in hearing about Lord Sri Krishna and that is that one should take shelter. Mamekam Sharanam Raja. The ultimate duty of every living entity, every conditioned soul, is to take shelter of Lord Sri Krishna. Uh, the natural question arises is, how do I do that? And what is the method for taking shelter, or what is the practical process by developing love for Krishna? Uh, you cannot achieve, because taking shelter means Krishna gives you his shelter, but you cannot get Krishna's shelter unless we actually have a rati. This word rati is a very nice word, and here specifically it means prema. It is a commonplace word which has multiple meanings and multiple usage. So here rati means that one has love for Krishna. When you have love for Krishna, then you can receive Krishna's shelter. It is something that you have to acquire, that Krishna gives. Uh, it is not something that you can simply uh, manipulate or achieve by some certain ritualistic or even regulated activity. Uh, the third question is uh, that uh, how do I develop this love? Is this love exclusively to be developed 
for Krishna. No. But rather here is stated Guru, Gurus, Braj, Vrindavan, Vrijbasis, uh, Mantra, uh, the holy name, Radha Krishna. Uh, naturally, uh, one becomes, if one loves one's father, then one will also love one's mother, brothers, sisters, household, everything else will automatically be included. So we cannot exclude anyone from the realm of our attachment. And therefore, uh, a devotee is equally disposed, or even more favorably disposed, to those, those things which are tadiyana, because they are easier way of achieving Lord Krishna. And this is a science which Vaishnavas know, or should know, uh, that it is easier to achieve Krishna through devotees or through other things that relate to Krishna, for instance, Krishna's holy name, than to achieve Krishna directly. And therefore, it is, in one sense, more important to develop love, just like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, we worship Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and that worship of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will be brought up later. Because without uh, to approach Lord Krishna directly is very, very difficult. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that self-same Radha and Krishna, but he's in a mood of a devotee. And a devotee is much more inclined to distribute love for Krishna, or is more easy to approach than the Supreme Lord directly. Uh, so one may ask, well, how will I develop this love for all of these devotees? Uh, then he is stated, Dambam Hitva, get rid of your pride. And this becomes the main uh, focus here in this particular verse, which we'll analyze in detail, and maybe even read a story or two out of uh, Krishna books. So, starting with the uh, first one, uh, here it is stated, Gro goshte goshtalaya su su jani gusharagani samantri shinami sharani. He says, you should surrender. Now, what is the surrender? Srila uh, Bhakti Thakur gives a very nice definition of surrender. And this is a very useful definition which we can uh, refer to in future times. He says that the external indication of one's internal cultivation of love and attraction to Krishna is called surrender. I'll read that again. The external indication or the external activities which correspond to one's internal cultivation of unalloyed love and attraction to Krishna. Uh, I say this is a very relevant point because very often uh, we hear that argument, well, for, for instance, we hear it first of all from Christians on the street, I love God, and uh, very often we also hear it from devotees, well, I love Krishna, I love Prabhupada, and it doesn't really matter what I'm doing, the important thing is what's inside. But here, Bhaktivinoda says something different. He says that the internal symptom should uh, parallel external behavior or there should be a corresponding external behavior which is symptomatic of an internal attachment. That is called being surrendered to somebody, and that is the means for loving somebody. So, if you don't have the means, then how can you even possibly have the end? Therefore, there cannot be a disparity between a devotee's external behavior and his internal advancement. And, for instance, we run into Krishna Siddhartha cigarette in one hand and a hamburger in another, and they say, I love Jesus. But uh, by what particular activity uh, are they showing that? Well, they make this subjective argument which you can't fight with. 
I know because I love him. So it's a subjective experience, subjective feeling that he's referring to, which is obviously beyond the range of anybody who's meeting them. So we can't argue the point. But on this basis, we can. We say no. Whatever is inside should be manifest by an external behavior. And therefore, there should be external symptoms which show the symptoms of surrender. And we'll talk about this process of surrender and how that surrender takes place uh, in the following uh, points. So the goal which we are striving to achieve is to achieve rati. Uh, or attraction uh, for Radha and Krishna. And we emphasize that it is to Radha and Krishna that we want to develop our attention. And this point will be repeated over and over again, and it's something that really uh, does need uh, emphasis. Because uh, it is very rarely understood. Uh, it's something that needs great emphasis. Uh, and as I mentioned yesterday, this is the specific mood of not only Srila Raghunath Das Goswami, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and our Gaudiya line. Our Gaudiya tradition is to direct all devotees to the loving mood of the inhabitants of Vrindavan, and ultimately to engage in the service of Srimati Radharani and Lord Sri Krishna. Although there are Ravadi Murtisu Tishtan, there are unlimited incarnations of the Lord, and we worship and revere all of them as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Sri Krishna, manifesting his different potencies to varied degrees. Uh, Krishna has unlimited potencies. Uh, and generally speaking, uh, we say that Krishna has unlimited potencies uh, to an unlimited death. When Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, manifests, some of these potencies in their full depth, uh, then uh, he is uh, considered to be uh, more perfect. When he uh, exhibits uh, some of his uh, potencies, uh, but partially, then he's considered to be uh, perfect, or all of his potencies partially. And then he may exhibit even some of his potencies only partially. So this is, uh, there are two things here. One is uh, the uh, extent of uh, Lord Krishna's uh, potencies, the quantitative extent, and also the depth of these potencies. So two things, uh, you can, um, has permutations of four. So uh, all these other incarnations, avatars, uh, guna avatars, lila avatars, manvantars, everyone fall into these other three categories. And it is Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, Krishna is to Bhagavan Swayam, who manifests all of these potencies to an unlimited degree. He is the original person. And it is he who we are worshipping. And that Supreme Lord, Ekatmanab, Apibhuvi, Puradeham, Gatam, Gatoto, that uh, it's described by, uh, again, Srav Damodar Goswami, that originally Ra Lord Krishna is one, but he has eternally separated himself into two. That is Shakti and Shaktiman. Uh, Swarup Shakti, uh, the potencies of the Lord and the Supreme Potent. So, 
to us, we see these things as happening in time. There's no question of time. This is eternal activity. So the absolute truth, therefore, is both male and female, uh, or masculine and feminine. The masculine is the energetic, and the feminine is the supreme energy. And therefore, the perfect worship, or the complete worship of the absolute truth, is manifest through the worship of Radha and Krishna. And it is developing attachment to Radha and Krishna, uh, which is the ultimate realization, the highest goal of life, and the specific gift of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, the uh, process here uh, we mentioned is developing faith and developing our love for Krishna. What we should actually be doing is using the word redevelop. Because in Chaitanya Chaitamrita, and this is, anyway, all of these are very important points, but it is described uh, that Nitya Siddha Krishna Prema Sadya Kabanoi Shavanadi Shuddha Chitte Karate Udhoi. That this Krishna Prema is already there. It's already there within our hearts, but it has to be brought out. Shavanadi Shuddha Chitte Karate Udhoi. And it begins by the process of hearing. Hearing from uh, Guru, uh, spiritual master. Vaishnavas, and so on. So, uh, redeveloping uh, this thing is called really self-realization. Uh, this process of redeveloping the dormant love which is present within everyone. So this is an important point that we are not going to look for this attraction anywhere else than when it already is. It's already within in us. But it is there in a dormant state. And not only is our love for Krishna present in a dormant state, but also implied in this verse is our eternal relationship with Krishna is also present there in a dormant state. I think I mentioned this before. This is an important point which differs uh, the Gaudiya Sampradaya or the Siddhanta Sampradaya, the followers of Srilabhat Sampradaya Saraswati Thakur, from uh, Babaji's who also consider themselves to be Gaudiyas. They consider that uh, the Bhakti Lata Vij, which is described in Chaitanya Charitamrita, means that you receive your Swarup, or eternal form, from spiritual master at the time of initiation. Uh, when we read the explanation, Srila Prabhupada explains what this, swar uh, this uh, Bhakti Lata Vij is. He explains that it is knowledge, the process by which one advances in Krishna consciousness. Uh, we do not accept that. We consider that it is already there like a seed. In seed form, the eternal identity of the living entity is present. Nitya Siddha Subhavasya, Rupa Goswami also states in Bhakti Goswamita Sindhu. So Subhav is already there, but it is covered. And so we want to develop, we want to redevelop something which is within us. So the question is, how did we come to this position? And if something's already in us, why aren't we feeling it? What is the problem? What is actually separating us from that? So Srila Bhakti Notakur explains that it is due to the influence of the illusory energy of the Lord, which herein is being uh, personified by this word dhambam, or pride. And uh, that we have actually come into this material world. Uh, by the force of illusion, we fall into this material world. Uh, and by association with this material world, 
we become further and further covered, and by further association, uh, then we become not only covered, but we become very attached to everything that we see around us. And we become convinced that this is our home and our eternal place of residence. So uh, he explains the sort of evolution of the false ego from falling down, uh, association, and becoming conditioned, and becoming attached. But that attachment uh, is described by uh, Lord Kapiladev in the third canto, that this attachment that we have for association uh, of home, family, friends, community, wife, children, that same attachment when it's applied to the associates of the Lord, to the association of Vaitnavas, can be the source of one's elevation. It becomes the source of our conditioning and bondage in the material world, but that same attachment focused onto the devotees becomes the means by which we come out of this material world. So what is really required is to how to actually spiritualize that attachment. And the process of sadhana bhakti is meant to do just that. It is meant to take the attachment, which Srila Prabhupada uses this word all the time, dovetailing. So it means this dovetailing one's particular attachment. And sadhana bhakti begins because when we analyze different types of devotees that are discussed here, uh, we see that, for instance, sujane. Uh, sujane refers to, uh, excuse me, busharagane, refers to varnashram brahmanas. The varnashram system itself is described by Rupa Goswami as being uh, the preliminary stages of sadhana bhakti. So the entire process from Varnashram to the transcendental position of a Shuddha Bhakta, uh, this sadhana is meant to actually bring out that attachment. There is a material attachment which is there. We want to uh, re-divert that in such a way that the attachment and the association which we have do not bind us and cover us but rather purify us and ultimately unearth the real love for Krishna which is present within all of our hearts. How this thing should be practiced? In the association of pure devotees. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada pays so much emphasis, I've established this International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Because by this association, one can actually practice Sanat Bhakti. Otherwise, it is very, very difficult. In fact, Prabhupada points out in Bhagavatam, I believe that uh, one is living in a hallucination if he thinks that outside the association of devotees he can practice devotional service. Very, very difficult. So, what is the process of this practice? We'll just go through some basic, simple principles. Bhakti Vinod Thakur says that uh, uh, by the association of devotees, mm, one, uh, the results of one's karma become diminished. And that karma, that is like a riddhaya grantia, who is like a rope that ties us down in a particular direction. So by association with devotees, the uh, knots in this rope become slackened, and one has some ability to maneuver. One becomes free from that uh, tight tying down of the gunas. And in this way, faith actually starts to develop in a devotee. Uh, when one becomes uh, qualified, uh, when one's faith develops, he becomes really qualified to hear. And by hearing, one assimilates instructions. This is similar to what we discussed earlier. 
This is the symptom of someone who really knows how to hear. So we should take this as a very important point. Hearing is not just listening to something and then writing it down. But there must be a consequence to that hearing. Because hearing means, Krishna says, Mame kam sharanam braja. He said, you heard this, now you surrender to me. That's the consequence of hearing Bhagavad Gita. Surrender to Krishna. Similarly, if we hear, the consequence should be is that we surrender. And therefore, one has to be able to, assimilating instruction means, I understand an instruction and practically put it into practice in my own sadhana bhakti, in my own devotional life. Hmm? Uh, when one has heard, ultimately he comes to a conclusion. Yes, that one should surrender directly to Krishna. But surrendering directly to Krishna is not possible. Therefore, one surrenders to Guru or Krishna's representative. And that is formalized through the process of diksha or initiation. Uh, so Krishna uh, states like that, Upadikshanti tadgyanam jnana stastodarshana Upadikshanti You come closer by diksha. Hmm? What does diksha mean? Divyam jnanam yatodhadhyad kuryad papati samshaya That process by which one receives transcendental knowledge and by which one's bonds of fruitive or karmic activities are slashed or purified. So when one uh, takes initiation, he receives a mantra uh, by which he is worshipping the Supreme Lord and by chanting that mantra he renders service. Uh, renders service always in one's mind, rendering service to Lord Sri Krishna and simultaneously worshipping gurus and Vaishnavas. Uh, there's a little further instruction Bhakti Thakur gives as to how this sadhana or practice of devotional service relates to this attachment that we have to the material world and the attachment that we want to develop to Lord Sri Krishna. How does it practically work? As we mentioned earlier, that the sadhana, uh, the uh, bonds of one's karma uh, becomes slackened and ultimately becomes dissipated. The result is, is that one develops an inner spiritual strength. Uh, it is something that Bhakti Motakwa refers to in many places. He says that a devotee should feel the inner spiritual strength, and I think devotees have experience of that. Sometimes when you feel that you've practiced Krishna consciousness nicely, you feel very confident and strong, and at other times uh, you feel its absence or lack. Sometimes, for instance, when you sleep through your japa, then you really notice it by dint of its absence, that there is no strength there. Uh, he also mentions this in Harinam Chintamani, that uh, a devotee can also feel the spiritual strength which is bound within the heart of a Vaishnava. Devotees have that experience sometimes when coming into presence of another devotee. All devotees who had experience with Srila Prabhupada, they knew it was when you came within uh, uh, Prabhupada's presence, you could actually feel Prabhupada had a very, very strong presence. It was not a material presence or a charismatic presence. It was an overpowering spiritual presence, which sometimes was just too much for people to handle. They would sometimes leave. And we still feel that presence here in this room. Even you bring karmis in the room and they can still feel that presence. So that is a actual spiritual potency. Uh, it is a manifestation of uh, the Lord's 
Ladini and Samvit potency, which are uh, the manifestation of Shuddha Sattva. Uh, when a devotee uh, comes to the platform of pure devotional service or Prema Bhakti, then the Shuddha Sattva is manifests within his heart uh, by the mercy of Srimati Radharani. And that uh, Swarup Shakti, that transcendental potency, uh, then can be felt by others who are at least a little uh, sensitive. And it has its permanent effect, like here, we see that it has a permanent effect. Uh, the uh, result of this uh, spiritual development is that it draws or attracts the mercy of Krishna and devotees. And these are two things that we'll always be talking about, the one side effort of the devotee and the other side the mercy of Krishna, because both of these things are required for advancement in devotional service. And what is the result of this mercy is that when we are sufficiently attract the mercy of Vaishnavas, Guru, and Krishna, then this attachment uh, will actually develop and manifest. Uh, it is something that we try to cultivate, but ultimately it is something that is bestowed. We try to develop, we try to cultivate the qualification for receiving it, but ultimately it's something which is given to us by mercy of Vaishnavas and Krishna. Mm. Bhakti Thakur says that uh, he explains what this sublime attachment is. He says to the degree that this attachment is concentrated, it is called sublime attachment. In other words, concentrated means to the degree that there is no material impediment, there is no karma, jnana, anavita, no other material thing present, to that degree it is called sublime attachment. Mm. So what is the qualification? There are two very important things that one should take note of here. What is the qualification for actually receiving uh, this attachment and to develop it? That is that one has to be very eager, tatralodhyam, molyam, ekalam, and one has to be humble. So without these two qualifications, one will not be able to attract Lord Krishna's attention. One has to be very enthusiastic and constantly maintain oneself in a state of uh, enthusiasm. In other words, whatever it requires, one should do that to remain enthusiastic and humble. Without being humble, it is not possible to receive Krishna's mercy. And what is the disqualification for receiving it? What is the disqualification for development in sadhana, for advancing in one's spiritual practices and cultivating this attachment? And that is lethargy. And that lethargy, Shubhakti Thakur says, is thinking, oh, it will happen of its own accord. I don't have to do anything. It'll just happen. So no, it won't happen. Uh, rather, something else may happen. But what we're expecting, advancement in Krishna consciousness, will not happen. So, ratim apurvam atitaram. Uh, rati apurva atitara. Uh, which means, uh, as we uh, translated here, uh, rati means love, and apurvam, unprecedented, a great unprecedented love. These words in it themselves are very meaningful, and uh, there's only so much time that we actually have to uh, concentrate on them, unfortunately. Uh, but, uh, the nature of this love of Godhead is uh, of a very unprecedented nature. That means, first of all, that practically speaking, it has not been freely been made available 
Anarpitam Charin Chirat. That for a very, very long time, that's what it means, Anarpitam Charin, hasn't been bestowed. That means it's unprecedented. And great, uh, great means that it is actually the greatest. It is the greatest love which a jiva or a living entity can actually contain or possess. So this great love, this is what we want to hear a little about and find out uh, what it is. And I'll try to give a little example of it uh, a little later. So we described earlier that the attachment, uh, how is it acquired? It's acquired by the mercy of the Lord. And the lethargy is the disqualification. So, going a little further into this disqualification, because here, one word we found was that uh, this dhamba, sada dhamba hitam, always just get rid of this pride. Uh, the implication there is, uh, is that always means that you may get rid of it, but it may come back. That means it's a process. Uh, it's not so easy just to, like, it's just a shovel full of dirt and you just throw it out and that's it, it's finished but rather there's a process for purifying our hearts from pride. And this is actually uh, the first impediment that uh, we'll discuss here. And from this pride, so many other things seem to stem out. Uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur gives six different types of uh, pride here, and, uh, or elements of this pride. They are illusion, uh, <coughs> deceit, pretense, ignorance, deviousness, and offenses, or aparad. Uh, these are not uh, pride themselves, but these are what pride has constituted, or they are the elements of pride. Uh, there is, at least in my mind, I had difficulty in uh, differentiating between some of them. Uh, for instance, uh, deceit, pretense, and deviousness are really, perhaps with a real big Oxford Dictionary, you can make distinction between them and try to define them. Illusion means that one becomes very satisfied and complacent by material accomplishment. That we get some material result, or we get some result which is measured in material terms, and we become very proud of that. Deceit uh, is that one... Uh, takes or is satisfied with the externals of spiritual life, uh, which may mean one's dress, demeanor, mannerism, birth, and so on, uh, and poses that as being one's qualification in devotional service. Pretense was one which was clearly defined by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and he points out that this is cultivating a desire for something else, in practicing devotional service other than love for Krishna. So this is defined by the word anyabhilashita shunyam, whereas that verse specifically describes pure devotional service, the converse of it is pretentious devotional service. So when devotional service is practiced with some other view in mind, other than simply to please Krishna's senses, that is called a pretense. And ignorance is forgetfulness of one's spiritual identity. That is also the deviousness. I could only write as some other particular motivation uh, which may arise. And offenses are those which arise due to the offenses against the holy name. 
the uh, devotees and so on. This is also an element and cause of pride. Uh, Ragnar Das Goswami says, Hitva, we should give <coughs> pride up. So how do we give up pride? Uh, Bhaktivinoda says, by the assistance of the Guru. And therefore, it is described here that one should always remember the spiritual master first, before all activities, so that one becomes free from one's prideful or envious mentality. Now, before we go on to uh, the rest of this verse, I just want to uh, go back to the uh, 20 demons or anarthas, obstacles that we discussed yesterday. And you may not remember them all, uh, but I categorized that there were seven different types of pride which represented different demons. And I'll just read these off, and then we'll see how we can try to correlate those different types of pride with the elements of pride which Srila Bhaktivinoda gives here. And we'll see that they're very similar. Uh, Sakatasura, the cart demon, was pride which uh, arose from residual bad habits carried over from previous lifetimes. Trinavarta was pride due to scholarship. Uh, Yamal Arjun, Arjun is pride due to aristocracy or high birth. Kalyanag was pride which arises due to crookedness or devious mentality. And the uh, sacrificial Brahmins, the Vedic Brahmins, Yagika Brahmins, they were pride due to their position in Varnashram. Uh, Aristasura was uh, pride which arises due to practicing false religious principles. One becomes proud of being situated in some bogus religion. And Keshi represented the uh, pride which arises from one being <coughs> materially situated in spiritual life, such as being a guru, sannyasi, big position, and becoming proud of that particular situation that one is in. Now these are seven themselves, and uh, I don't know if you have them written down, but let's see if you can try and correlate the ones which are here. For instance, previously we said that there was illusion. Illusion was the uh, one of the constituents or elements of pride. So can you uh, care to uh, make an analysis of which one this refers to? Anyone? It's a little difficult off your head unless you actually written it down or got it written down. Or due to birth, due to high aristocratic birth. That's, I had that as one. I also had another one. Anyone? Shakatasura. I had another, which was very similar. Uh, there may be different uh, understandings. I put down Trinavarta, which is pride due to scholarship. Aristocracy, scholarship, both illusion. Uh, all right. Uh, Shakatasura, someone cared to venture uh, which, what that represents or which one of these. Uh, it's just terminology here from one to the other. Uh, from uh, my understanding uh, was that 
reaction to past karma or habits as a reaction to past karma uh, can be due to offense of one sort or another. And therefore, uh, I put that down as offenses. Uh, Kalyanag, well, it was false pride due to crookedness. So here we have, well, uh, I put deviousness, but it could be deceit because they're very close uh, in terms of names. Yagik Vipras, a physician due to Varnashram. Pretense. And uh, Aristasura is uh, what is able to follow this. this uh, what we have on one side is you've got here six different symptoms of pride. And these are also seven different symptoms of pride, elements of pride, causes of pride, which uh, relate to particular demons. So we're just correlating them together. Ultimately, they all fall into the same pot. Aristasura uh, is by practicing uh, bogus religion, which means ignorance, and keshi, being the big guru, means deceit. So these particular leelas, more or less, we can just put them under the heading of pride. And therefore, in that sense, uh, if we want to become free from pride, we can hear these seven different pastimes. I'll just read one briefly. And uh, let's see. Trinavarta. Here's Trinavarta. Okay, so Trinavarta is pride uh, by which uh, one acquires due to scholarship. Hmm. One day, shortly after the ceremony, when Mother Yashoda was patting her baby on her lap, the baby felt too heavy, and being unable to carry him, she unwillingly placed him on the ground. After a while, she became engaged in household affairs. At that time, one of the servants of Kamsa, known as Trinavarta, as instructed by Kamsa, appeared there in the shape of a whirlwind. He picked the child up on his shoulders and raised a great dust storm all over Vrindavan. Because of this, everyone's eyes became covered within a few moments, and the whole area of Vrindavan became densely dark, so that no one could see himself or anyone else. During this great catastrophe, Mother Yashoda could not see her baby, who was taken away by the whirlwind, and she began to cry very piteously. She fell down on the ground exactly like a cow who had lost her calf. When Mother Yashoda was so piteously crying, all the coward women immediately came and began to look for the baby, but they were disappointed and could not find him. The Trinavarta demon who took baby Krishna on his shoulder went high in the sky, but the baby assumed such a weight that suddenly he could not go any further, and he had to stop his whirlwind activities. Baby Krishna made himself heavy and began to weigh down the demon. The Lord caught hold of his neck. Trinavata felt the baby to be as heavy as a big mountain, and he tried to get out of his clutches, but he was unable to do so. And his eyes popped out from their sockets. Crying very fiercely, he fell down to the ground of Vrindavan and died. The demon fell exactly like Tripurashura, who was pierced by the arrow of Lord Shiva. He hit the stone ground, and his limbs were smashed. His body became visible to all the inhabitants of Vrindavan. So from our perception, reading that story may not have uh, much deeper value than hearing a particular pastime. 
but uh, if it's illuminated by directions that we get from Bhakti Nautakura, we can understand that while hearing the story, we should be very much open and pray to Krishna that we can get here, for instance, free from the uh, illusion uh, of pride, uh, which comes due to scholarship, uh, aristocracy, and so on. So I recommend the devotees read these particular pastimes, uh, which uh, I mentioned, they are, which relate to the acquirement of pride, Hitla Dhamba. If we want to become free from pride, then specifically these seven demons are representatives of different types of pride. Sakatasura, Trinavarta, Yamalarjun, Kaliya, Yagika Vipra, Aristasura, and Keshi. So if we read these, then here is a fact. He says, throw out the pride. Well, how will you throw it out? So Krishna will actually purify that pride within our hearts when we have the great desire to have it purified by reading and giving careful oral reception to these particular pastimes. So we're talking about this ratim, this love. For whom do we want this love? All right, here is the beginning of the verse. Guru. Guru means spiritual master, and it is in the plural sense. Uh, plural sense means there are two types of spiritual masters, Diksha Guru and Shiksha Guru. And they are described in Chaitanya Charitamrita Adilila in detail, both in the verses and purple. I'll just touch on it briefly here. Diksha Guru uh, gives a devotee Sambhanda Gyan, and by that process one becomes free from anarthas and is able to advance on the path of devotional service. Diksha Guru is specifically one. Shiksha Guru is that person who gives one abhiteya, or the process of cultivating one's devotional service, uh, or cultivating one's relationship with Krishna. Diksha Guru and Shiksha Guru uh, are generally one. Uh, in other words, they may be the same person. Although one may have more Shiksha Gurus under the guidance or permission of the Diksha Guru. So the Shiksha Guru, he instructs and guides the devotee in confidential service to Radha and Krishna. Traditionally, in our Gaudiya Sampradaya, Shanatan Goswami is the embodiment of Diksha Guru and Shilvuk Goswami that of Shiksha Guru. Both of them are to be considered as manifestations of Sri Krishna and they are equal in all respects. One should not distinguish or discriminate between one or the other. Uh, here, we just want to make a clarification between shiksha, or receiving shiksha, and shiksha guru. Uh, one may receive shiksha or instruction from so many individuals. And the shiksha guru which is being referred to here is somewhat different than just someone who gives relevant instruction. Shiksha Guru here means Goswamis, Acharyas, uh, liberated souls, uh, who uh, give us uh, specific instruction in the details of our sadhana and service to Lord Sri Krishna. Uh, it does not immediately mean that the temple commander asks us to mop the floor, that he's our Shiksha Guru, although he's giving us Shiksha, and he's showing us how to mop. And that is also a type of Guru. But Srila Prabhupada uh, distinguishes in his purport in Chaitanya Charitamrita by someone who is a liberated soul and someone who gives relevant instruction. So many people may give us relevant instruction to our advancement in spiritual life uh, or practice of spiritual life. 
and they don't come under this more stricter meaning of the word shiksha guru. In another sense, everyone is guru. Mothers are guru, fathers are guru, teachers are guru, you may have astra guru, and so many different types of guru. Anyone who teaches you something, just the word, when you use the word guru to mean a teacher, but when we use guru as me, uh, meaning someone who's opened our eyes with the light of transcendental knowledge and has shown us Krishna, uh, then uh, it refers to something else. So they're meant to be held in highest esteem and they are the object of worship and service. Although the relationship is different between Diksha, with Diksha Guru and Shiksha Gurus. So Guru, Goshte means Brindavan, Bhaja, Brindavan Dhamma. When Srila Prabhupada came to the West, practically speaking, as soon as he unpacked his bags, he was immediately making plans for building what he first called his American house in Vrindavan, and then later on in Mayapur, because he very much wanted devotees to have a home. As long as they didn't go to Vrindavan, they were going to think that their home was somewhere here in the West, in London, or New York, or Paris. So these are not our homes. But our real home is in Vrindavan. And Srila Prabhupada said, later, wherever I go is Vrindavan, but it takes some time for someone to come to that advanced state. So at least one should experience Bhoma Vrindavan, or the spiritual world manifest here within this material realm. So going to Vrindavan, seeing the places of Lord Krishna's pastimes and activities, Nandagram, Barshana, River Jamuna, Govardhan Hill, Radhakund, Shamakund, uh, all of these wonderful places uh, where uh, Krishna revealed uh, his transcendental pastimes, uh, just like our Krishna Balram Mandir uh, is situated in Raman Reti. So all of these places are very, very dear to devotees. And one of the symptoms of a advancing devotee or a second-class devotee uh, is that uh, he becomes very attached to uh, the holy places or the places of the Lord's transcendental pastimes. Uh, in, in any case, uh, becoming attached and learning how to love Vrindavan and Mayapur. Uh, these are uh, very important. Then, uh, there are three different classes of devotees which are being mentioned here. Goshtalaishu means pure devotees, uh, or those who are residents of Vrindavan. They do not aspire to go to Baikuntha, to worship any other form of the Lord. Uh, they reside in Vrindavan. You see, Vrindavan, we don't mean that they're simply residing in this Boma Vrindavan, or this uh, manifest realm, but rather they're in Aprakat, or in the unmanifest Vrindavan. Either in person they're living there, or by means of meditation. In other words, they are partaking in Lord Krishna's transcendental pastimes, one way or another. That is called Goshtalayishu. So they are considered to be Uttama Adhikaris. Guru Goshtay Goshtalayishu Sujana. Sujana means, jana means su, means very good, or it means practicing devotees, sadakas those devotees who are uh, aspiring for perfection in Vrindavan. And they may also be imbued with on reverence. In other words, they're not yet fully uh, developed. 
uh, in their intimate relationship with the Lord, or for that matter, they may even aspire for service in places like Mathura and Dwarka. Uh, so these are considered to be Madhyam Bhaktas, and they may even worship other deities. And then there are Bhusharagane, or Brahmins, who worship according to the Varnashram system. They are considered to be Kanishta, or third class. This is a different division, subdivision of first class, second, uh, first, second, and third class devotees uh, that we generally uh, heard. So, in uh, summarizing here then, uh, how is it that uh, one is uh, developing love for Krishna? Uh, that by uh, worshipping with devotion all of the above mentioned things, uh, namely Guru, Goshte, and so on, and by chanting Nama and Mantra, these are the last things to be discussed, Samantre Sinamni, and then Brother Yuvudvanda Sharani. Uh, mantra. Mantra refers to uh, Gayatri Mantra, 24 and a half syllable Gayatri Mantra, 18 syllable Gopal Mantra. Uh, devotees who are Brahmin initiated, they should know the meanings of these mantras, uh, which are discussed, in, written in Chaitanya Charitamrita in depth, and uh, they should meditate very seriously and conscientiously uh, on these things. It is not to be taken lightly. Uh, unfortunately, devotees do take it quite lightly, and they don't take this meditation to be very serious. It is like uh, being requested to do puja three times a day. Uh, it's like you should be thinking that three times a day I'm doing arti to Radha and Krishna. So that is everyone's service. That's what it means, Gayatri Mantra. That every day I'm going on the altar. Uh, that's why devotees generally are supposed to do achman or purify themselves. They should bathe before you chant. Before you go on altar, you bathe. Uh, and you get dressed, put on fresh tila. And then you worship. But this worship is for advanced people. It isn't simply that you worship with a stick of incense and some ghee lamp uh, and some flour. But rather you're supposed to be worshipping swaha. Swaha means what? It means I'm offering my heart. So when we don't know how to worship with our heart, then we just get caught up on the mental platform and are wondering when we can start in on prasada. But that is what Gayatri Mantra is meant. It's meant an uh, internal worship, which uh, should be very seriously done by brahmanas. And brahmanas are actually worshipping Krishna by offering themselves to Krishna. And same thing here, Srinamni, the holy name of the Lord. Uh, holy name of the Lord is also that we are offering ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like that translation, O Lord, O Energy Lord, please engage me in your service. This is an offering of ourselves, body, mind, and soul in service to Krishna. Krishna, Radha Krishna, in Vrindavan, engaging in the particular pastimes and activities always going on. We want to be engaged in that type of service. We're asking to be engaged in that service. So first symptom will be that someone will be uh, very uh, serious and uh, will beg Krishna. That is what that uh, chanting means. Begging Krishna to actually accept us and engage us in that service. So all of these mantras are meant to be chanted uh, without offense. Uh, and uh, this indicates uh, that, uh, and even if one does commit offense, still best thing to do is simply to chant the name of the Lord. But if one wants real effect of these mantras, or to do your puja, 
if you do puja and you're going on the altar dirty or you're doing all kinds of things, then you will not expect the same result as if you do everything strictly according to the rules. So here uh, we've uh, discussed these words. Now we're falling at uh, the feet of our mind and uh, begging to be able to engage in this type of service. Why? Because we're trying to get some very, very great things, some very unprecedented things. Atitaram, apurvam, atitaram, rati apurvam, atitaram. I mentioned that I'd give some example uh, of what it means, unprecedented. Uh, unprecedented means that uh, in uh, Govinda Lilam Ritmashnas Kavraj Goswami explains, Sprishati Yati Mukundurari Kamtat Sakinam, Bhavati Vapushi Kampasveda Romanchapashpana. Anyway, it's a long verse. But the uh, essence of it is, is that uh, Radha and Krishna are the supreme uh, lover and beloved. And Krishna himself comes to try to appreciate what is the love which Srimati Radharani uh, uh, enjoys in his presence. Even Krishna cannot taste that, because Krishna is the object of love. Uh, therefore, uh, he cannot taste, unless he comes as being the actual receptacle of love, uh, he cannot taste it. So he comes as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu just for that particular purpose. So there are so many inhabitants in Vrindavan, starting off with the blades of grass and the cows and the servants and cowherd boys, Mother Jashoda, gopis and so on. And uh, all of them enjoy a different gradation of loving relationship with Krishna, and it is all called Rati. But none of them are Apurvam Atitaram. Uh, they are all fully satisfied in their service, and they are fully satisfied in a loving relationship. But uh, amongst all the loving relationships which transpire, that which is manifest or exhibited between Lord Krishna and the gopis is considered to be the highest because it is the most complete and uh, it is the fullest expression of the ability to love without any condition whatsoever, transcendental condition. Uh, if someone wants to read this about this in more detail, then he can read the fourth and fifth chapters of the Adilila of Chaitanya Chaitanya. This is described there in great detail by Krishnanas Kaviraj Goswami. So we read, for instance, or we see pictures of Radha and Krishna, and they are surrounded by their astasakis, their eight gopi friends. So these gopi friends are considered to be the most intimate associates of Radha and Krishna. But uh, there is what is considered to be uh, more intimate associates, and those associates are those who are assistants to uh, these gopis, uh, and uh, who are sometimes known as maidservants. Uh, so Krishna's Kavirash in this particular uh, verse he explains that the position of these uh, servants uh, is such that they have a mood of friendship, but at the same time servitude to Radharani. Because, as we mentioned yesterday about Raghunath Das Goswami, he is exhibiting this uh, unalloyed dependence on Srimati Radharani's mercy. Uh, so uh, other gopis tend to be in a mood of friendship. Uh, but these other 
uh, gopis are in friendship and a servitude attitude. And they are very intimately related with Radharani. So whatever particular ecstatic symptom and ecstasy that Radharani feels, they also feel. Uh, that's the uh, purpose. So this is called uh, unprecedented. In other words, it has no precedent. No one else, uh, even in the realm of Lalita Vishaka, actually has access to those type of uh, transcendental emotions because it's only experienced by Radharani. And the unique thing, the reason why it is considered to be great, is because it doesn't depend upon direct connection or direct contact with Krishna. But rather by serving Radharani and making arrangements for Radha and Krishna to meet, uh, these gopis automatically experience the highest pleasure which Radharani meets, even at a distance. So Radha and Krishna are dancing, and smiling, and having a very nice time. So these uh, gopis don't have to associate with Krishna in order to have that same, but they experience the same thing from afar. So this is what Srila Prabhupada used to encourage us, is that we don't have to directly worry about having direct relationships. Actually, the most elevated relationship, what is described here, uh, Apurvam Atitaram, uh, is experienced automatically. It is manifest through the heart, and all the external symptoms, ecstatic symptoms, manifest on the body of the heroine, Srimati Radharani, are automatically also manifest on the bodies of uh, these gopis as well. Anyway, this is a uh, deep science, if we have time. Uh, later on, towards the end, uh, we'll uh, come to that. Mm -hmm. The uh, nature of these uh, devotees of the Lord, or the nature of this love, is that it completely makes Krishna, brings Krishna under control. Not only does it bring Krishna under the devotee's control, but uh, Krishna becomes uh, purchased uh, and very respectful and reverential to the uh, love of the uh, devotees who are situated in this particular category of followers of Rupa and Raghunath Das Goswami. Alright, anyway we're uh, 10 minutes so we'll just stop for questions and answers and uh, I think I should have gone a little faster, but uh, verse 2 is quite a bit shorter, and uh, we'll try and do 2, but then 3 is a long verse, so uh, in fact it's a detailed topic, so tomorrow we'll do 2 and 3, hopefully. Uh, anyone have any questions? I have a question. Um, Bhaktivedanta Thakur's uh, description, definition of surrender, and also the, uh, that same emphasis being placed on an element of pride or deceit, that one just considers... Uh, what's, what's the uh, question about surrender? One's external indication. Yes, in other words, one acts, one does something. Surrender means that one has surrendered, internally surrendered to Krishna, or that he has some affection for Krishna. That means he serves Krishna. That means he follows Krishna's instructions. He does what Krishna wants. He pleases Krishna in so many ways. So 
so there, that means external indication. So not that one is inert, or one does nothing, or one performs sinful activities. But internal surrender means corresponding external behavior. Doing those prescribed activities which are uh, written down in Shastra. And what was the other point? And what's the uh, external um, element in, in pride? One of the external elements of pride is just to be satisfied with the external behavior. External element. Comes under deceit. Varnashram. Yes. And being satisfied with externals. I've got a Brahmin thread. Uh, I'm a uh, Brahmana. I'm a Brahmachari. I'm a Sannyasi. I'm proud of these externals. And this is a mark of my Krishna consciousness. The Jagdik Brahmins, they were very proud. Oh, we're performing very important Vedic sacrifice. Krishna came. He's the goal of Vedic sacrifices. He came to beg. Oh, we don't have time. We're so busy performing sacrifice. We don't have time for you. Go away, little boy. Hmm. So, therefore, so proud, but that proud makes you blind that you actually can't see when the goal of everything that you're doing is coming personally, asking you, give us something to eat. We're talking about uh, depend, depending upon exclusive dependence upon Srimati Radharani. Um, there's the example of um, when Rupa Goswami said nothing goes wrong, we're having a discussion. And Radharani came and uh, Rupa Goswami had the desire to serve a spiritual master. So she brought, she made some sweet rice for him. And uh, as soon as nothing goes wrong, he tasted it, he realized it was Srimati Radharani who cooked the sweet rice. So he chastised Goswami. So he's trying to understand, he was, trying to, he was being dependent upon. That's not, that's not taking service. Uh, our business is to serve. So he said, oh, you're in a situation where now you took service from that, right? whereas we should be rendering service to you. No. When um, um, Rabbi was also sitting out in the sun for a long time, Shumata Rabbi he was taking service from her unknowingly. So he said, then, no, don't do this, because she'll always keep coming. As long as you sit in the sun, she'll keep coming. I can chastise you, but I can't chastise her. So then better that you sit in a hut and then yeah, then you have some other shade. Well, that's why this system started. It seems it's some in certain situation may be difficult to discriminate when devotee how far devotee he may be practicing his renunciation or his service and without realizing that Krishna Radharani will come and serve him. That don't have to worry about <laughs> <laughs> It's a good mistake to happen. <laughs> there was enough sun in England, but that one didn't happen. <laughs> well, sitting up in the rain, maybe when we come with an umbrella. <laughs> I, I was thinking in context that sometimes as devotees, we, we do our service or we, we do things and either we forget or we... Um, but then we, we just ask Krishna, oh, or try and ask Krishna for help, or would they leave this thing, or how can I do this, and suddenly Krishna gives the inspiration and the realization how to... Is that considered dependence, or is that considered asking for service? No, there's one thing, is when we're asking, assisting for 
we don't want there this thing this is something personal this is for me this is what wasn't something assistance for service so we're taking Krishna's help we're completely dependent on Krishna to do his service but we have no other alternative but eating and these other things that's personal or being getting a sunburn these are personal convenience so for those things we should not take those things we should make uh, try and make our own arrangements by using our intelligence which Krishna is giving anyway something else where does the Gayatri discussed in CC Mantra Gayatri Mantra Is there any reason why Swamantri is written before Sri Namni here? Because normally first you get Nam and then Mantra. Uh, yeah, but here's an order of successive elements and therefore uh, what comes later is more important than what comes first. So Mantra is given and Nam is given. So Nam is all encompassing and all important and uh, more fundamental even than Mantra. And it is directing uh, right beside Vrajanava Yuvadvanda Sharanaya, the youthful couple of Vrindavan. So, Navayovan, youthful couple, we should see like that. Krishna is like 15 years, 9 months, Radharani is 14 years, 2 months, or 3 months. So, always like that, eternally young, ever young. Raja and Navayovan, and they never leave Vrindavan. Always uh, enacting all their pastimes in Vrindavan. And devotees can go there and they can see so many nice places in Vrindavan where all of uh, the Lord's transcendental pastimes took place and uh, by chanting Hare Krishna in these places then uh, all of these things uh, all of these places in due course of time become more and more revealed and ultimately that by visiting Vrindavan and developing attachment to these things then all these things also become revealed within our hearts Guru we worship, worship our spiritual master. We offer, we pray to those swamis uh, within our hearts, uh, to all the eternal associates of the Goshtep, Vrindavan. Uh, we offer our obeisances and meditations to different places. Uh, we'll read about that later on. Uh, if someone wants, he says, every day you must worship Govardhan Hill. And that's the element of devotional service. You must worship Govardhan Hill on a daily basis. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave that Govardhan Shila to Raghunath Das Goswami with that idea in mind. Does that mean we have to go? No, but at least we should offer some prayer. And we should offer some prayer to Radhakund and Shantakund. We should offer some prayer to places in Vrindavan. Uh, we should offer some places, Gostalai Shu, uh, Mother Jashoda, Nanda Maharaj, Shimati Radharani, 
So so many of the Sri Mantra, Sri Namni, we're begging the holy name to reveal itself, to let us chant it offenselessly, like that. Raja Yuvananda Sharani. So all of this thing is a recommendation also for how to be worshipping. That worship we should be doing. Now one very easy way of doing this is we're praying to all of these different things. We pray to all of these personalities, uh, to Sri Bindavan Dam, all the wonderful places there. Uh, just to somehow or another help us become free from this damba, from this pride, and develop real love. Ratim Mapur Varam. Goswami is a very, very elaborate poet. Just like he says, Saradam Bahitvai, get rid of this pride, and then Ratiapur Varam, this contrast, and then you can enjoy this great unprecedented love. So we should pray to our minds like this. Praying to our mind means that we force, we absorb our mind in this remembrance uh, of all of these extraordinary places and pastimes. All right. So we'll stop there, and tomorrow we should continue. So to speak, for those devotees who will be there. Shantapati. 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 Shantapati.